Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode five, The Waterbed. Hello, Big Chillites. Welcome back. For our new listeners, make sure to subscribe. Give us five stars. That would be much appreciated. We are ramping up on our five-star reviews, so keep it rolling. Start with uh, introducing Eddie and Sam. Eddie, I want to go right to you. I want to know, what's your game plan knowing you're in last place in our NFL playoff picks? How are you going to cope and come back from the gutter? Well, I mean, I love it when we start off the podcast by like begging our, <laughs> our listeners for things, but the, I mean, I'm coping perfectly well. I'll be, it will be panic stations if I lose this week. I mean, beyond panic stations, if I lose this week, it is fundamentally over. Like if Sam beats me this week and he's two ahead of me in the spread, if he beats me on the spread this week, it's done because then I need to clean sweep the spread in the remaining of the season, which a that's unlikely and B I then need him to not get one. Right. So Frank, I'm not too concerned about you, but Ooh. I am a little bit worried about Sam. Is, is that oh. a general point or just yeah, about that's just for every, that's just for <laughs> no, everything. he's actually really concerned about me. He's afraid I'm going to come in one day and just knife him in his sleep. <laughs> wow. Wow. That, that, wow. that stepped up a notch, but you know. <laughs> I'm, I mean, at least this is being recorded. So if I am, if I ever am stabbed to death in my sleep, we know who did it. Well, now this is unfortunate because now someone who's listening could now knife you in your sleep and they've just set me up hook, line and sinker. They've just been waiting for that opportunity and they've played really long game. They've really wanted like Eddie dead. So they yeah. waited for a moment. I know I've pissed a lot of people off in my life, but I didn't know the list of people waiting to murder me was quite that long. Well, like kind of the Eats of March kind of yeah. scenario. People have been like, I've just been waiting for my moment. As soon as I could, I knew I could frame it. And yes, I'll have that moment with Frank. Eh, to Frank Duca? <laughs> <laughs> it's someone kind with like of... a mask of my face. Yeah. That would be amazing. They go through all the effort. <laughs> At least then maybe I'll be on Serial, so I'll be on a really good podcast. True. Sam can do this whole spinoff. Soup Juice can go to a different level where it's like he can do the whole intro. Where he was like, I was, on a pod- I was on a podcast with two of my friends until one of them murdered the other. Or did he? Did he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it good. turns into a crime detective. No. Yeah. <laughs> what if I told you I was on a podcast <laughs> where one podcaster murdered the other? And then, and then you do what every crime podcast does. You do like 58 hours of content. And at the end, very end, you go, oh, yeah, Frank murdered him. Clear. It was very obvious. Very efficient judicial system. Frank did it. <laughs> now, here's the thing, Eddie. Do you, I think you're quite an honorable person. I don't think you'll do tactics here. But are you going to go tactical in these divisional games? No, for two reasons. One, I have to just assume I can pick all four correctly. Two, if I overthought it and went tactical and lost because I went tactical, that would bother me more than anything else. 
Hmm. I'm kind of bothered by that after the Bills Dolphins. That one over a 17 weeks, that one cost me second place, which I would have considered extremely admirable. Speaking of, well, Bills Dolphins, not Bills Dolphins. Yeah, in the, uh, in the week, week 17. Oh, week 17. About. I was kind of I was convinced in... to go build, um, Dolphins. Yeah, um, we made it. And it cost me. Yeah. Spe- speaking of the Dolphins, did you see there was three undisclosed Dolphins players who said that they do not believe Tua is the answer at QB? Yeah, who cares? Like, I know. When, I, maybe I it's the backup like, Backup punter, like yeah. who? If you're not confident enough to come out and say it, then I don't care. What's and the context? Awesome. How would that have come out? Was it like a like kind of like a chat with all of them where it's come no, out? No, they or told. They reporters. signed like a letter. Or? They told. They made off the record statements to reporters, obviously. Which is yeah. the other reason why I feel like if it was someone really big, the name would have just come out. And also, I just think if it was someone really big, not that, I mean, the Dolphins don't have any other superstars, really. So I don't, like it wasn't going to be an earth shattering name, no matter what. But if you'd really been that confident, you would have just come out and said it as a way to put pressure on the organization if you thought you had sway. Well, I mean, and the other thing that instantly came to mind to me was earlier this year, Tyreek Hill said that his first impression of Patrick Mahomes was, he, was that he wasn't that great. And he didn't think he was going to be a great QB. And that turned out to be a completely false or inaccurate yeah. analysis. So, I mean, it's, it's so tough. I mean, it, it's a first-year QB who is starting as a first-year QB, right? I mean, in a COVID era where he didn't really have a preseason, like you can't judge a quarterback off of this year, a rookie quarterback over this year alone. No, and I mean, plus already, it's only in the last few years, right, that we've evolved into the, into the kind of approach where rookie quarterbacks start. Like Aaron Rodgers was on the bench for three years and things worked out for him pretty, pretty well. And okay, yeah. he was behind Brett Favre, but like you can't, you can't just be dismissive of someone because they aren't instantly like the guy. And yeah, yeah he's got to, and also the Dolphins are good, but they're mainly good because their defense is good. When you actually look at their offense, it's not like he's on the Bucks and he's struggling to complete passes. Like, he has a good tight end and a pretty good one, pretty good wide receiver, basically. And the rest of them are just like decent NFL players. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I was that would have slightly concerned me is all three of them apparently said he's not very mobile. Which I mean, that was always one of it. Yeah, and that was always one of his things. Obviously, in college, was he could scramble out of the pocket and extend plays and things like that. And they said, in terms of scrambling and extending the plays they were super unimpressed with it in practice and stuff but then there's still the other thing right which is he's not that far removed from a pretty serious injury i know and and, and that's kind of what i was getting at is is he still just recovering or is that an actual effect of his injury that he may never get back to the level he was at for sure because if if you're optimistic you think he's just like even in the game right the idea is He's either limiting himself or they're limiting him with the play calling to try and protect him. If it yeah, turns I was out, say that. are they setting him up? Because partly the team would be set up to not accommodate that style of play, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess if they're not seeing it in practice, then that's a bad sign. Because even if you're not using it in the game, you might think that you're going to see some mobility there, just in some drills or whatever. But 
still, it might just be that he needs, you know, six more months, 12 more months to be in at peak fitness. I mean, he, ba- I mean, what do you have? Like a hip replacement? <laughs> it's not like, <laughs> it's not like he has. No, he's, he's not like his great grandfather. <laughs> it's not, it's not like, yeah. Hey, we're going to touch on this topic later, but there's a, you know, because of Andy Murray's positive COVID test, but there's a guy whose hips were, you know, beyond repair. And now he's out there competing at the highest level of tennis. Yeah. So. It's, it's such an old man's injury, like needing a hip like replacement yeah, was- or surgery. It's a really old man thing. Or, yeah, or it's a, or it's a younger, young person's thing. Cause you'll see like either they have developmental issues, like as they're growing, there's like issues with their hip and they have to replace their hip, like in their teenage years, which I've two, I know two people who had that. And it was probably one of the worst things I've ever seen. Like getting a hip replacement at age 15, 16. Yeah. It's gotta well, be so oh, shitty. <laughs> I mean, the downer too, right. Is that even though technology has advanced pretty significantly with hips, you know that you're going to have to have that again. Like the replacement, hip, yeah. the replacement hip is not going to last you 65 years. So no. you are, you are, you can book when, when you're probably checking out, they're probably like, okay, we're just going to book you in a date for about uh, 28 years from now. And we'll, so we'll see you back <laughs> here again. But yeah, no, I think the hip injury as you age, I think has to be one of those feeling old moments. Like yeah. you could hurt your knee or your ankle or some or like your elbow or your shoulder, and you could dismiss that as just like, "Well, I've hurt myself." But the hip is a it's like, it is the at that mm. stage there's the kind of uh oh I'm an old man of my hip started to go. Yeah, there's certain other things as well, like when you make like a grunting noise as you stand up or sit down. Now you're hitting into those uh, the Geico or Allstate progressive yeah. press commercials where it's like how not to be your parents that's one of them oh yeah when they're they have the three shit. people sitting around and then a guy gets up and makes the noise he's like see did you guys hear that <laughs> don't do that <laughs> actually the eddie speaking of that though brings up a, a good icebreaker i can throw to sam because he's been kind of quiet have i what's the worst injury you've ever had oh i've actually been pretty injury free i've not had that many bad ones um I've had stubbed toe. Is that what you're going to tell us? <laughs> hey, they're bad for like two seconds. That pain <laughs> is immense. Uh, the worst thing I've ever done is broken my scaphoid in my wrist. Um, oh, really? I also broke both my done. scaphoids. Well, it's a... It's a well Eddie, have you, have you broken your wrist, Eddie? <laughs> I haven't uh, broken anything. We can uh, we could arrange it. We can't be we can't we can't be the scaffold bros or whatever we're gonna call the podcast, unfortunately. Hey, that'd be good. The big scaffold. Yeah, yeah, yeah it sucks. It's a well known like goalkeeper's injury in soccer. Um uh, uh, breaking okay. your scaphoid because of the pressure when you save a shot if it hits you badly or if you land badly. And that's exactly how I did it. So it looked pretty badass though, because I actually pulled off a pretty incredible reaction save. I just put all my weight <laughs> onto it as I fell down. And uh, I kept playing on like a hero, then realized something was badly wrong when I could barely take off my glove because it had swollen. So (laughs) yeah, then there was a problem. The only other thing I've had, when I was younger, I like really young, I walked past like a branch and I cut my finger, which sounds pretty (laughs) innocuous. Like this is, (laughs) there's a bit more to it rather than me just stopping there. And um, very quickly, my finger started to go like green quite quickly 
and my parents um, rushed me to hospital about it. And apparently I'd actually had like a flesh eating bacteria on it. Wow. That's and actually kind of cool. Had, if, if it had <laughs> kept spreading, obviously there would have been massive problems, but they're able to kind of like stop it from spreading very quickly and nothing happened fundamentally. Shame. So Otherwise we could have done like an Alex Smith documentary with you. Oh God. Yeah. What? That's just like, true. what, just to see me slowly being eaten away, kind of like, you know, when Thanos does the snap in Avengers and yeah. just watching me like <laughs> slowly the, disappear. It's all about the content, Sam. So either Frank <laughs> the, has to murder me or you need flesh to get flesh eating bacteria. You know, one of those what, two just things. Just live, gonna... live on the podcast, just me yeah. shouting for the podcast, like kind of a sort of Yeah. The listeners will love it. But they, yeah, Eddie, went, like two injuries. When Sam said we could arrange it, that was kind of how I broke my wrist the first time. I was sitting and my friend jumped on the couch and sat on my hand and snapped my wrists. <laughs> <laughs> so we can arrange it. Next time I'm, I'm over, just put your hand out on the couch and I'll jump yeah. as hard as I can and sit on it. <laughs> now, I'm very hopeful now of making my... I, I think if you've never broken a bone, the... Not that fear, it's not like I could live in fear of it, but the the unknown of breaking something means that I definitely never want to do it. Um, even though I've had extremely painful injuries not related to that, but... Have you ever I gotten just, stitches? Yeah, multiple times. Okay. Never. I, I fell wow. over on a... I went on a fishing trip when I was maybe 12 or 13 years old, and uh, we were in Wait. the south of France. What? That, that just fishing trip stitches i can only think of a hook but it was the last oh no it's much worse no it's that. not the hook i'm gonna say it's a knife no good so we got fishing the line is it the he fishing line yeah i was out fishing and some guy just stabbed me <laughs> so we pulled into this like very small port shark um, bite and these and my friends i was on the, i was on the trip with my friend and his parents and they went to some cathedral and we stayed just a fish off like cast off the side of the boat. Um, and we hadn't caught anything in a while. And he was actually on like the docks and he caught something. And I got really excited that he'd caught a fish. So I went to run to try and get to him to see what the fish was like. And as I stepped from the boat onto the docks, I slipped on the steps oh, in between. And I started to fall and I was really worried that it, like, as I was falling, you know, your concern is your head. So yeah. I went to like catch myself and I caught myself. I was like, oh, I'm fine. Like, whew, that was lucky. And I stood up and my friend just screamed. And he was, <laughs> I was like, what? And he was like, your leg. And I looked down and, you know, the cleat, which is like the T yep. you wrap the, um, the cleat had gone straight into the back of my calf Ooh. and had gone to the bone. So the whole length of my calf, like the, the length of my calf had split and then my, it had just opened the whole thing up. So the, it was, it was, it looked unreal cause I could see my bone and everything and it just looked fake. And obviously I didn't know what to do. And so, <laughs> so you just kept on fishing. <laughs> so, so, so I reeled I, in a big fish at the same time. <laughs> so I wish. So basically I lay there, he went and got the medical kit from the boat and we just like wrapped gauze around my leg, which obviously wasn't really going to do anything. People were cycling by, tried to like signal for help. Nobody stopped. We tried calling his parents, but because they'd gone to see a cathedral, they'd switch their cell phones off. So they were unavailable. So I was like, well, what am I going to do? I know. Do you think you were dead me. at this point? 
it wasn't looking good. I, was just... <laughs> I would have loved to see the look in your eyes. <laughs> Maybe I will when I come to your bedroom and murder you. <laughs> you'll get the same, you'll get same look. Uh, we're going to have to give this to the police now. <laughs> so I called my mother because like, what else are you going to do? You know. So I called my mother who was 900 miles away. I don't know. And she was out shopping and I was like, uh, like, don't panic, but I've just fallen over and I've cut my leg pretty badly. And so she was like, how badly? I was like, I can see, I can see my bone in the back of my leg. Part of me <laughs> pictures, pictures your mom being like, Edward, what do you expect me to do? <laughs> there wasn't, there was an element of that. I love it. <laughs> and, then, and then my, my sister was with her. My sister overheard me telling this story to my mother. And then she overreacted. She fainted. Yep. <laughs> Man, I know your family so well. Yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. So wow. she fainted. So then my mother was like, I've got to hang up with you on you because your sister has just fainted. So I, I love how she with. now becomes the pressing emergency. Of, of course. Her sister always taking the attention from Eddie. Yeah, exactly. Can give me one moment in the sun. And, uh, and so then eventually her, like my mother was just like rapid try calling and and you're in the middle of nowhere so there's not even like a 911 really like there's nothing and uh we wrapped it and and then his parents came home and we'd wrapped literally every bit of gauze around my leg i mean it was inches thick this thing we'd wrapped up and uh his parents got back and my friend was like we we've, we've got to take Eddie to the hospital he's cut his leg really badly and the dad was like i'm sure it's not that bad let me just take a look at it and he started to um like to take off the gauze and after taking like a little bit off it was just soaked in blood and he was like okay i think we better go to the hospital <laughs> and there were no ambulances there so we had to take a taxi where, so the, taxi, where the hell were you yeah i don't understand of... why so that i'll dial it back here so you got medical care you tried to ring parents then you rang your parents why yeah. didn't you ring the emergency services well for starters we were you know i mean not the 13s that young but i was a 13 year old with a gaping wound in my leg. So my thought process probably wasn't as clear as I'd want it to be. And now we found your autobiography title. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've I've heard 911 calls where like three-year-olds call 911 when their parents fall down. I mean, it was a mix of feeling like this can be okay. Like a mixture of panic to being, I maybe this isn't as bad as I think it is. And then we got to the hospital it was a relatively, I mean, a hospital, it was more of a clinic, basically. They, you could tell it was like the biggest day in a while for the doctors. They all got super excited because it was like something to really do. So I had to, in the end, have like 54 internal stitches to close it up. And wow, then, that's pretty good. Yeah, no, it wasn't bad. And then the grossest thing about it was obviously those stitches were supposed to dissolve, but like one of them was poking out through the wound. And after the wound healed a bit, I pulled on it. And it was one of the most like pleasurable and painful experiences of my life. Oh, we have um, learned so much about you in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, then the wound got infected. And then I had to go to the hospital because the wound got seriously infected. And when I went to a hospital in Paris to have it checked out. Edward, Wait. did you pull out any of your stitches? No. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> that, that isn't why it got infected. But I'm legitimately to starting it, to think you're Alex Smith. But when I went, when I went to it, the most of me, so at first, like, they were like, oh, this is really badly infected. And then when, when they took a look at it, though, they called multiple doctors in. Again, that was not a good sign. I was like, uh-oh, I'm in yeah. the hospital room. And we got like six doctors coming around. And they're like, oh, no, we just have to admire 
the stitching that has been done on your wound. Like this guy is, <laughs> this guy is an artist. Like this is incredible <laughs> stitching. I was like, okay, I guess that's, that's awesome. better. That's pretty funny. Yeah. I, well, at least, at least you have a good injury story, even though you haven't broken anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I dislocated my ribs. Um, I dislocated like four ribs once that was really painful. Oof. I've never then, dislocated anything and it sounds, I, I, I don't fear it more than a broken bone, but I, you can just, the aesthetics of a dislocation just seem yeah, far. And then when I tore my hamstring really badly, that was, that's my most painful sporting injury. And that was when I lived with Sam, actually. That was, that was, uh, I went to, play. I remember we you a, hobbling. <laughs> we went, we had a housemate. We had a housemate who was playing for his, uh, his old boys team. So like, when you've played in for your high school and then you go back to like, it's like an alumni game, but like a team, they keep playing every week and they play against other like alumni teams and they were short players one week. And he was like, Oh, one of my housemates is pretty good. I'll bring him along. So I turned up for this and it was an interesting experience. Cause you're like stepping into someone else's high school friends. So like, that's already a bit odd. And then he vouched for me. He was like, he's a good player. We should, we should play him like up front or out wide or something. And then they stuck me in central defense. And then, <laughs> and then I took off to run after the ball at one moment. This is maybe seven minutes into the game and my hamstring ripped and the noise it made was so loud that like three players around me stopped playing. And the guy who I was marking went, oh, no. What's it like? Is it like a, I want to say it's sure, like a Are you sure you didn't shit your pants? <laughs> uh, what, does it, what does it feel like? What or, does it also sound like? I can imagine like a banjo twang. kind of. It like, was a pop. A really, oh. really loud pop. Like, I mean, it's so hard fired. to. <laughs> it was a super loud pop. And then it felt like I'd been shot in the back of my leg. Like I actually, for a long time was kind of skeptical, you know, when, when athletes did go down with hamstring injuries, like when they'd instantly stop, I was always like, ah, he's kind of making a meal of it. And then it happened to me. I was like, Oh God, I could not have moved. And then the worst part about it was all these guys, we'd taken public transport with a nightmare journey to get there in the first place. And a bunch of these guys had cars. I couldn't walk. And obviously over time it got worse because like it was, it started to like I started to cool down and it started. Yeah, the to adrenaline's like, worn off yeah. by then. So by the end of the game, I I was just uh, couldn't move at all, and they all just they just drove home and they were like, "See you guys, good luck on the good luck on the tube, like have fun." And I just oh, it was awful. I couldn't take my own clothes off. It was not good. Who took your clothes off that day? Tom had to help me. I couldn't. Oh, okay. I couldn't get my clothes off. Couldn't <laughs> getting underwear off was impossible. Play some nice music as he did it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, we'd done it before. This was just now he had a legitimate reason. I love that we're really getting off topic, but did I ever tell you the story about when Dan, Abe, and I, who we mentioned in the previous podcast, he's the one who dressed up in the, the cowboy outfit when we crashed an anesthesiologist party in New Orleans? <laughs> you told me this, yeah. <laughs> Sam, so I'll just I'll briefly tell it. We were in New Orleans, um, actually going to a Giants Saints game where the Giants got absolutely romped on by the Saints. Um, and we had done like the two, three nights on Bourbon Street, and we wanted to go check out some like the other pretty popular streets that are you know less crazy but known for you know like jazz music and stuff like that. So we went down this one really famous street, and there was this bar that everyone said to go to. There was like great live music. 
So we go and it says close for private event. I'm like, ah, oh, shit. And Abe's like, ah, don't worry about it. And just like opens the door. And then the whole downstairs is empty, but you can hear that there's something going on upstairs. So there's like the stairs. And again, the stairs say like, sorry, close for private event. And Abe's like, ah, don't worry about it. So we just like duck under and walk up. And there's just, you know, like 30, 40 people there socializing. We walk up to the bar and uh, I'm just like, oh, I'll take, I forget. Like we just ordered two drinks. And the guy looks at us, he goes, you guys uh, anesthesiologists? And, and like, I looked at Abe and I was like, yeah, why else would we be here? And the guy's like, all right, cool. So I like pull out money and then he's like, no, it's open bar. You know that, right? As if like, he definitely like called our bluff, but he also didn't care. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, we know this is for you. It's a tip. He's like, oh, cool. Thanks, man. I was like, and while we're at it, can we do like four shots of Jaeger? <laughs> And then we just we just sat there for a good two hours at this party, just like free food, free drinks. It ends up being the party starts clearing out. There's like five of us left. It's me and Abe and three other anesthesiologists closing the party. We played it all fine. We told them we we're actually residents, like where we were. And then we get to the very end, and the woman was like, "Oh, so like, what's your specialist? Uh, yeah, like, what are you specializing in?" To Abe, and Abe's like. Oh, I'm not an anesthesiologist. I'm a finance major. <laughs> Just like he was so drunk, he didn't even realize he had to try and keep up the ruse. <laughs> it was pretty good. I can't wait until Abe listens to this episode, hears that story and goes, isn't that crazy? Some other guy went to New Orleans <laughs> and pretended to be an anesthesiologist. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait either. Uh, all right, so I guess we probably should do some sports, though, right? Is that yeah. a great segue into a classic New Orleans matchup this week? There you go. Ooh. That was all planned. All yep. right. Okay. We'll start that way, then, if you want. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's – actually, most people are saying that's the most watched game that most pundits want to watch, I think, obviously because of the Breeze, mm. Breeze Brady – history and legacies i guess so before we start here's my question my opening question for that game whose legacy is more on the line in this game oh drew breeze it's not close breeze it's not, so all right let, let me i'll give you the other side brady goes out throws four interceptions they lose there's no slight debate then going back to the brady was only good because he was on the patriots argument no, it just goes back to Tom Brady's too old and he should retire. That's what happens. Like the idea of him playing for two or three more years starts to, I mean, yeah. I don't think it would look ridiculous. He's been good enough this year where clearly he warrants playing time in the NFL, but that would be the like hot sports take. You'd have, uh. you know, Skip Bayless yelling about how Tom Brady needs to retire. Yeah, it would just be a twilight year, a year too far, but hang your boots up, incredible career. Like, that's how it would go down, really. But, but Drew Brady, uh, Drew Brady, <laughs> Drew, Drew Brees. Brady. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's the forgotten uh, child from the Brady Bunch. But Drew Brees, uh, he would, I think, I mean, look, his legacy, he's a Hall of Famer. He's won a Super Bowl. So I think, and I want to do this as a topic um, one day where we do, like semi-forgotten individual plays or moments in sports 
that had drastic impacts on other people's legacy or other teams. And like at a certain moment in time, Drew Brees' legacy boils down to that Brett Favre interception. Which one? Like in the game, in the NFC Championship game, Vikings Saints, the uh, oh, the Bounty Gate game. Yeah, where Drew Brees, uh, where uh, Brett Favre, as that game went to the end of regulation, they were on like the Saints forty. I want to say off the top of my head, and he kind of rolled out to his right, threw across his body, and threw an interception that allowed the game to go to overtime. I think that sequence is right in my head but they were nearly in field goal range, if not right on the edge of it at the time of the play. And like, it is one of those crazy things. Now, obviously Drew Brees' career might've been different had they not won that Super Bowl. It seems unlikely, but maybe it plays out differently. But like Drew Brees looks very, very different if he's a quarterback who's never won a Super Bowl. I thought you were going to go with the Brees being traded by the Chargers and then the evolution of Phillip Rivers. Sure, but I think... When I'm to, to me, what's always fascinating, like that's a huge moment, right? And it's like really clear and obvious. Whereas sometimes there are these seemingly unimportant, I mean, yeah. obviously not because it decided the NFC championship game, but like the significance of that play might be much, much greater than just that moment, that time the Vikings winning or the Saints winning. Like it definitely changes, like Brett Favre's legacy looks a lot different if he wins that Super Bowl. Oh, God. And, Would and you that's say more obvious. Matt Ryan's as well before the Patriots comeback and that collapse definitely like ryan would look very different right now with a with a ring he'd be a hall of famer yeah for sure when we did that discussion last week or yeah. a couple days ago matt ryan throw a super bowl ring on him he's a hall of famer so essentially edelman's catch prevented ryan from being a hall of famer yeah i mean a number of mistakes they made in the third and fourth quarter, but... <laughs> one of many one of many issues just but... not running the ball every play <laughs> yeah, just, not, just not taking a knee or or just running the ball every play sorry yeah all right so let's start with that game then or do you want to go in order sam's very particular no, no, no. sometimes we'll go reverse we'll go reverse Why? order because okay. this is the last game so we're i don't go... think i've ever been particular <laughs> about this. sam is sam is very passionate about going back to front anyway so we'll we'll do it sam style hey that's your one per podcast <laughs> yeah i hadn't i hadn't had a good one in a while but all right we'll go we'll go arabic style here so we'll go right to left um bucks are the saints saints are three-point favorites Brady Breeze, Battle of the Old Timers. So I'll, which, I'll start this off. Did ooh, you actually, speaking I of the Battle of the Old Timers, did you see the uh, Brady Instagram post that everyone's been talking about all week? No. Oh, really? There's a, he put up a picture of it's like an aged Breeze and Brady, like facing off against oh, each other. I saw that elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. But he was the one who first posted it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Well, you aged as in like aged to like 60 years yeah. old. and Okay, as opposed to what they look like now because they're aged. Yeah. And then along those same lines, did you guys see um, in the last Bucks game, they showed that Tom Brady was the oldest QB and they compared it to the second oldest one at the time, which was like three months earlier, which was George Blanda. And people were just losing their mind about how Blanda was like 42 going on 60 and Brady was like yeah. 42 going on 30. <laughs> no, I mean, I was on a call with Sam actually when that graphic came up. I don't know if Sam remembers because he had quite a few drinks at that point. 
but mm-hmm. uh, I made that com- comment of like old, like 43 years old in 1960s, 1970s is like what 60 years old looks today. Like it is one of those crazy, crazy things. It's like the Golden Girls. Like when the Golden Girls started, they weren't that old. <laughs> like yeah. they, look, they look today 90, but when the Golden Girls, the youngest one of them, when the Golden Girls started as a TV show was like 52. Well, I guess it's funny too, because he was so old school. So he's was also known for like smoking cigarettes between games, like at halftime and stuff like that. And compare that to Tom Brady, who has what, like avocado ice cream, right? This is new trend thing. That's his one like treat. Yeah, that's as that's far, the, that's like, his, that's as, far as he goes. A little like avocado Edelman, ice cream. That's like the Edelman story when he said that like, that's what he has is his treat after like a good practice. And so that when their practices, when Edelman would go over for the practice sessions at like Tom Brady's house, when they would like finish a session, he'd be like, okay, ice cream, everyone, everyone wants ice cream. And Edelman was like, why? I'm not a 10 year old. Why would I want ice cream after I work out? And he was like, no, 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 ice cream, good workout. You get avocado ice cream. That's how it works. Uh, Imagine how bland his diet must be that a professional athlete of his caliber is motivated to have a good practice so he can get avocado ice cream. Now, here's the thing is like, I would like to spend time with either Breeze or Brady. I think they each are very interesting in their own way, but I think both of them are incredibly dull. Well, you could have hung out with Breeze uh, at the Capitol two weeks ago. (laughs) 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 That was right for you. (laughs) Lucky. Well, actually, I mean, well, uh, he's not on the Patriots anymore, but we could say that Belichick was declining to get his yeah, Medal of, of Honor or whatever it was. Um, Med- Presidential Medal of Freedom? Presidential Medal of Freedom. Wait, Medal of Honor is when you fight in a war. I know, I know. <laughs> people, did keep saying, people did keep saying he was that Trump was going to give Belichick the Medal of Honor. I saw several news sites reporting that, which was, even by Trump standards, insane. <laughs> like That would have been a step too far. <laughs> But I mean, not that giving him the presidential medal of freedom wasn't a step too far anyway. Now, the interesting thing then, based on both of these guys being big Trump supporters, do you think like no matter what the outcome is that the other one will just try and play in the next game? (laughs) Well, they can't accept it. (laughs) Yeah. So you can imagine like if the Saints win, they go on and play the championship game and Brady just walks on. Just turn up. Yeah, don't just turn up. Just get the full team to turn up and just go just like fly to Lambeau no matter what. Be, be like walk out on the field for the the coin toss. See, that's yeah. political satire. That's what we're bringing to the table here. Bit of uh, bit of sumptive that they're going to Lambeau. Are bo- are both of them future senators? No way, Tom Brady's a senator. He's too really? kooky for us to be a senator. Yeah, for sure. He's oh, too weird. He's that's too such weird. a weird word, yeah. kooky. Like it's it's almost like what you He's too cocky. <laughs> You're thinking kinky, aren't you, Sam? You got excited. <laughs> the image of a kinky Tom Brady. <laughs> just gimp mask on when he retires. <laughs> what, just like opens the zip up to talk to people? Yeah. Oof. No. Um, I think Breeze would look more presentable for just some reason. Gets on his hands and knees in a leash and just begs you for avocado ice cream. And taken too far. <laughs> and the Bucks Saints as a game has been big ruined. news though. We got Tom Brady's Tom Brady on as a guest next week. <laughs> that will be awkward. But We're no, gonna have um, an avocado ice cream eating contest on video. Oh, yes. Oh, he'd probably be down for that. 
I'm assuming it's just flavored avocado as opposed to some like where they freeze avocado into like an ice cream form. No, no, no. It's flavored. Okay. I think whatever so flavor you want, it's just that the avocado is being used to. It's actually wait. Avocado so it's flavor? just frozen avocado with some cream and sugar, or what's the? I think it's mostly. It's like an ice cream where you've replaced all the milk and the fat from with the avocado. milk with avocado. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, but you can then flavor it's just cold it. avocado. No, 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 no. You they they have it other flavors. It's just uh, yeah, avocado yeah, yeah. based. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Just replacing... I thought you were saying something a little different. No, no. Like you can have strawberry avocado ice cream. If you see what I mean, it would still probably taste a little bit like avocado, but yeah, and just yeah. tastes like shit basically. But yeah, oh, is that what happens if you mix those two things? Yeah, yes. yeah, strawberries really good on its own, avocado really tasty on its own. Put them together, it's literal shit. Pure diet, <laughs> two and yeah. two, two and two doesn't always equal four. Eddie no. might not be a doctor, but he's one hell of a food scientist. Oh yes, <laughs> he's discovered <laughs> what actually makes things taste imagine. like shit in a lab with a stethoscope, smashing foods together, just going, "No, nah, I don't on. like this one." I'm not a caveman. Okay, hold on. Let's not get into this. Go down this line again, where I'm suddenly a picky eater. Don't. I didn't make say you def- were. No, I, just I know. Said but you I saw this. Foods I, together. Saw this <laughs> I saw this coming head on. I. That is one claim that I will refute till the end of time. So I think we should eventually start <laughs> making picks. <laughs> All right. I'm surprised, Frank, that you were taking over this one first. Yeah, yeah, Frank, I you said you go first. Some, so. Oh, okay. Tactics, yeah. Yeah, so tactic. last week I said that the Saints, I think, are a little frustrated with the way their previous playoffs have played out. Um, three years ago, two years ago, I think they were really primed to win a Super Bowl. Unfortunately, never made it. I think that time is definitely dwindling down. I I can't see Breeze. I almost can't see Breeze being a good starter next year. I mean, there's a potential he might not be the starter next year. Who knows? But I think this is the end of the line for them. And I think with that, they're going to have the mentality that this is a, obviously it's a must win, but I think more in terms of legacy, this is a must win for like we talked about for Breeze. I think he needs this and he's going to want this win. And on the other side, the Saints defense has been really good all year, and especially they've been really good against the Bucs. So the last time they played, I think, was week eight, maybe. I'm not completely sure. Uh, nine, but, I think. I think it was nine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so week nine, Brady had a terrible game. They blew them out, um, beat them by over 30. Brady had three interceptions. Granted, their offense wasn't clicking like it is now, but I think – a lot can be said of when a team knows the scheme to run against another team. Um, so I think that's going to hold up. I think it's going to be a little less scoring than people anticipate with a breeze Brady matchup. I think there's going to be a lot of good defense, but I'll take the saints and I'll take the saints to cover. Well, you know what? Uh, in 2002, the Buccaneers swept the saints. Sorry. The saints swept the bucks. I should say, and you know what happened that year? The bucks won the Super Bowl. And I'm not going to go that far in my prediction, but I am going to take the Bucks to win this game. I think it's incredibly rare. This this is one of those like no logic logic um, bits of reasoning, but it is one of those things they like to say it's really hard to beat a team three times in the NFL that like by the third time around the Bucks should have a pretty good game plan for the Saints. Obviously part of that Game plan has to be to protect Tom Brady and give him more time than he's had in the first two matchups, which that's kind of been the determining factor in both games. 
I just think the Bucks are starting to hit their prime and the Saints, their defense is really good. And and it might be that they that keeps them in this game, but I I just think the Bucks will have too much for them. So I think there'll be a few turnovers on both sides, just because I think that's the way that Breeze and Brady are going to play. But I think that the the Bucks will be able to grind this one out. So I'm going to take the Bucks. Mm. So um, it's interesting because the way that the that Week Nine blowout of the Bucks, um, the Saints had like 40 minutes of possession. They absolutely just ate up time. And what that did is it screwed the Bucks, forming any sort of uh, running game and they're forced to pass, which is why Brady probably had poorer stats considering. But in a way, I know that we slightly criticized the Saints against the Bears last time, but they did exactly the same. They just ground out that game. They just held the ball and they just got down after down after down. And I'll look at stats to back that up when I saw that. And the Saints have the fourth slowest offense in the league um, in terms of like plays per minute snap time and things like that they're really slow and i think it's all deliberate in my opinion but they prefer they prefer the term learning difficulties sam oh <laughs> a thousand apologies but uh yeah i i just think that's interesting and also ignoring the week the week one you can ignore a little bit it's the first time brady and arian are together in a competitive game so fair enough that the saints probably got one over but in those two games I like that you called him arian <laughs> Arian, sorry. <laughs> yeah, whoops. The key uh, S was missing there as opposed to some sort of like spelled different. Race. Spelled different. <laughs> yeah. Where Tom Brady moved to Florida to link up with Arian and form a powerful <laughs> duo <laughs> in their pursuit of power. That's we're a couple of years away from this. Pure race and all that. But you look at those two games, right? Brady had a passer rating of 58.8 completed less than 61% of his throws, averaged about six yards an attempt. Uh, was sacked six times and touchdowns to interceptions was two to five. Um, I think the Saints have got something here and I think they'll they'll know how to beat them. They'll do exactly the same thing again. They'll eat that clock. They'll run it down, down after down after down. I agree with Frank that I think this will be lower scoring. I think I saw the over-under at like 52. So I, I like the under on that one for that exact reason. That if the Saints do get the advantage with possession early, and that's how the game will go. So for me, Saints and to cover as well. So there's one way for Eddie to come back into it. Oh, that will be or a, yeah, be gone. Or <laughs> that's that's, that's either done. that's either the much needed win to round off the weekend, or that's the nail in the coffin. Alrighty, okay. Staying with the right to left thing. Um, Browns are the Chiefs, and. Chiefs are 10 point favorites. I'll go first here, which is part of me just wanted to roll the dice. And I don't mean this. I think this 10 point line is kind of crazy. Like I think to be 10 point favorites in the playoffs, the other team needs to be not a playoff team. And the Browns are a legitimate playoff team. So I'm a little bit surprised by how big this line is. Even if it's the Chiefs coming off a bye at home, I fully expect the Chiefs to win. I just think they'll be able to score too many points. There's no way the Browns will keep up with them. I do think the fact that the Browns have such a run-heavy game 
and they're going to be able to go on long drives. And I'm sure that's going to be their tactic, right? To keep the thing Frank hates when people talk about, we're going to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. It's the logic that Frank hates. And he's already upset by the fact that I'm just discussing it. But they're going to keep, you're going to have them saying like, the Browns' plan for this game is to keep Patrick Mahomes off of the field. Like that is going to be, that is going to be what they're going to be aiming to do. And whilst I don't think that that's going to win them the game, I do think it means that it's going to be a closer game than maybe some people expect. So I'm going to take the Chiefs to win, but I'm going to take the Browns with the 10 points. I agree with you. I I really agree with you, actually. I mean, interesting stat, right? The the thing with Hunt and Chubb is that not only do they run really well, but they, they have passing receptions as well. They receive the ball really well. And the Chiefs are the worst team in the league at giving yardage for running back receptions. Uh, they give away about nine yards a carry. So that's a big tick for the... Browns, They're also right? not a great run defense. They give up four no. and a half yards a carry. So that is a big, big tick for the Browns there. That not only are they going to get some luck running but they're going to get massive good yardage on running back receptions as well, which is something the Browns go to. And also the Browns are pretty good. Like on the 20-yard line uh, going into the red zone, 72% of the time they score a touchdown. That's pretty impressive. And for me, the Chiefs have stung all of us with these tough spreads. Like they have slept walked into this playoff. And what's interesting is since week nine, the average margin of victory for the Chiefs has been under four points a game. And to then go against a team with like that's playoff ready, I, 10 is too much. I just think the Browns are going to be way more battle-hardened in this one. I just think the Browns know that whatever happens here, they give a good account of themselves. It's going to look good. for They've had a great season, but they're going to be ready for a scrap of their lives. Are the Chiefs week off? slept walk the last six or seven games i think they're going to get a sting in the first half it's just how they come back so for me chiefs i think browns will be up by the half but the chiefs will win so i'll take the chiefs to win but the browns to cover wow is that your interesting bet of the week browns at half chiefs final <laughs> that would be a probably you, like i bet you that's probably like four to one i would first be quarter, interested first quarter uh, might be more interesting yeah, i would be interested by the money line on the Browns winning at the first quarter. I don't know what usually that would hit, but I can't so, imagine it's any more than like two or three on a spread. For sure. I am interested but, to see what uh, Frank says in this, because this is kind of like his husband playing against his, his lover. Like this is a real, there okay. are matchups throughout the season that while well, you're married to Patrick Mahomes, right? But you've got a serious man boner as much as I hate that kind of expression for, for Baker Mayfield. Wait, and wait, his wait, why? What? why is it a why man, is it boner? A man boner? As opposed <laughs> to like a woman boner because I'm not yeah. a man. <laughs> yeah. You can't have a lady boner and you can't have a normal boner. You just got to have a man boner. He's like uh, Baker May. <laughs> yeah, if I'm married to Mahomes, Baker Mayfield's like the what's that the list called? The celebrity list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think Baker Mayfield's like the the guy who lives on your block who you're just starting to notice. That's the Baker Mayfield situation now. You're spending <laughs> people, like a. Do people notice other people on their block nowadays? I mean, not at the moment because we live in a pandemic, but pre-pandemic yeah. probably. Yeah. Now, just before you make your pick. Uh, Sam, you can get first half the Chiefs, you can get the Browns plus 6.5 is the standard line. 
and they are 53 to 20 to be winning. In the first quarter, you can get the Browns plus three is the standard line. They're actually, they're 21 to 20 plus three. So you're actually getting kind of decent value there. And two to one. And they're just over two to one to be, they're 43 to 20. Very odd odds (laughs) for this game. But yeah, that's, that's, so if you're tempted, you can get over two to one on them to just be, which look, if they go on a seven minute drive and score on the opening drive, then I mean, they're not going to do. They're not going to do what they did against the Steelers. The Chiefs won't afford them that kind of explosive start. But still, like this is a team that's going to come into it. Like I'll game also of say, their lives. interestingly enough, too, right? That's a two-way market. So if it does just be seven-seven really? at the end of it, mm-hmm. you just you, you just money back. So yeah. it's not bad actually. If we were still giving picks, I'd probably go close with that one. So yeah, I mean, okay, so lot to unravel there. I'm not going to get into the keep the ball away from a homes thing that logic has just never hit with me. Um, I get the concept in that it'll keep a low scoring game, but he still would get an equal amount of opportunities that your offense would. I'll um, just, just before the only reason it makes it, it does and doesn't make sense to me. So you're right in the sense that obviously he's still going to get the ball back as many times as you have the ball. So you still have to score outscore as, them. Yeah. But the one thing I do get, and you did kind of see it in the first half of that Chiefs-Bills game when the Chiefs were having long drives, is what it does do is it increases the pressure in that um, – in sorry, the Colts-Bills game. In, in what you suddenly see is you have an explosive offense, but you have one three and out, and it's already six minutes into the first quarter, seven minutes into the first quarter. The other team is winning. Now they get the ball back. If they can do another six or seven minute drive and score points again, then then you start to really think, uh-oh, we're only down 14-0 or only down 10-0, but we might only be getting the ball four more times. But I mean, mm. you're right. I mean, that that is true. I think it's it's not just keeping the ball away. I think the the goal is obviously to score early and go up but also be able to sustain long drives. Yes. That definitely, that that I can agree with. The only thing I can say in the Chiefs' defense is when you do dial up the pressure, they seem to be the team that responds very positively to that. I mean, last playoffs, what they were down 24 nothing to the Texans and then scored six straight touchdowns. Yeah, um, that's the Texans, though. Yeah, agreed. People are saying the Texans are the new Browns, so there you go. <laughs> How about as that in, backward as logic? In, as, <laughs> Browns is in shit. Yeah, no, Browns yeah. is in twenty years like ago. Dysfunctional. Browns. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna have twenty years of them not making the playoffs, kind of Browns. So yeah. So I mean, I was impressed by the Browns these past few weeks. I would love to get on the Browns train. I can't though go against the Chiefs. So the one worry I have with the Browns against the Steelers. They started off amazingly, their defense, right? Fumble, touchdown, interception, punt, interception, punt, interception. That was the first six drives for the Steelers. Amazing. You then look at the other side. Granted, I understand they were up. Maybe they were playing a little soft, but then the Steelers went touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, punt, touchdown, interception, touchdown. So, I mean, if that's the type of defense the Browns are going to bring – then 
every drive, even if the Chiefs only get four, it's going to be four touchdowns. You might be so, right, but they have form with that, though. Wasn't it the Titans? They blew away in the first half and then had exactly the same kind of second half where they kind of were up like 30-odd points by the half in, I don't know, like maybe like week 11 or 12 or something. We're talking about the, the Browns? Yeah, they, yeah, did, they well, did do it against the Titans as well. It was, yeah. So, now, I mean, at least there's form with that kind of like drop-off, I guess. And look, yeah. ben, ben Roethlisberger had a record-setting game last week. He threw for over 500 yards. He had like 80 he broke, attempts. <laughs> he had 47 completions, I think, something yeah. like that. Like it was the most completions in NFL history. So that might not be the greatest look for the uh, for the Browns defense. At the same time, that was just complete desperation on the part of the Steelers. So yeah. in a way, if you told the Browns, Patrick Mahomes is going to throw the ball 70 times, they'd probably either feel really, really good about themselves or really bad about themselves. I'm not sure which, but they'd probably roll the dice on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to, I want to take the Browns and I at least want it to be a close game, but I really think this year the chiefs will have learned from their mistakes last year and not let the game get slightly out of hand to start like they did last year, you know, going down early every game. I think this year they're going to come in with, a lot more focus and kind of just steamroll through teams. So I think the Chiefs are going to win this, and I think they're going to win pretty big. Question. Wow. So we have, Frank, we have disagreed on the first two last two games, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So that's interesting. Could be a big I, Sunday. I have a question, right? So this is probably now two weeks since the starting Chiefs team has played, right? Because they three, three weeks. Second string against the Chargers, didn't play last week, week three before, weeks three weeks. Yeah. Now, we've seen with some teams that that's been a problem, like the Steelers, when they've had time off, it's actually come back bad. We've seen teams where it's come as like a blessing, like the Ravens and Bills mid-season. I mean, where, how about like, the Browns week? last week? The Browns it's... didn't practice once the entire week. Yeah. But like, here's do the you thing think is... that time off? is going to be a hindrance, a help. Like for me, that's the reason I think the Browns will have a really good start is because they're kind of battle ready for this in a way, whereas the Chiefs have got to get that motor going. Right. I mean, it might be one drive. The Chiefs are a little slow, but I think the Chiefs are also a team that's, I mean, all teams are pretty banged up, but I'm sure a lot of their their player, like a lot of their superstars, I think will appreciate the extra rest. Like I'm sure Travis Kelsey feels a thousand times better having this week off than having to play another game in between. You know, I don't think that's going to affect him. I don't think it'll affect someone like Patrick Mahomes, um, especially uh, Clyde Edward Elaire. He's someone who could probably use the rest because he's not used to this long of a season being a rookie. You know, I don't think it's going to hurt the Chiefs too much. He didn't practice today, by the way. He doesn't need to. Feeling it. Feeling good. He's injured. So it's <laughs> he's not, injured. No, I know. So I know. <laughs> and I, I do mean this. I think him being, if he is out, or severely limited, that's another blow for the... I think they do need a running game to... Maybe not to win this one, but actually going forward, they need a legitimate running game. The I think, Sam, that that is the... I'm not ruling out the Browns winning this. And over the course of the week, I've talked myself into the Browns winning. I've even talked myself into the Browns winning the Super Bowl. I've kind of done this assessment that I think this is a pretty average slate of teams. Every team has a pretty significant weakness. And the Browns are 33 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. They are the biggest outsiders. The reason I talked to myself into maybe thinking there's value in that 33 to 1 is because if, now massive, massive if, if they win this game, 
they're probably six to one next week, five to one next week. So you are able to like possibly be seizing huge value. Like you'd be able to hedge it almost with every other team remaining. If you just have the chiefs, the Browns win this one. Well, and I mean also what that must do for the Browns mentally, if they push past the chiefs here, I mean, then you have that. Not only do we have still have nothing to lose, but now you have, we have nothing to lose and we just knocked out the best team yeah. in the league. So we feel invincible. And what could work for them in that way is that they go over this like biggest hurdle of sorts, say the Bills win, they've got to do the same again against a similar team. Yeah, but wouldn't As, that be, wouldn't that be like the most Browns thing of all time is like you beat the Chiefs and then the and they lose by just 40. Lose, they lose to the slightly blown, worse version of them. Yeah. You just get blown out by the Bills. Now, but yeah. also it's not impossible to conceive again, assume like you got a pencil in the Browns winning this game, but then it's not impossible to conceive the, rem- the remaining teams are the Bucks the Ravens and maybe the Rams. And if you just had that, if you had that set of teams, if you were the Browns, you'd be looking around thinking we're legitimately as good as all these teams. Now I'm not going to predict four upsets (laughs) and also that the the Browns, but I just think 33 to one is actually too big of a price on their Super Bowl chances. And I've only, I have history of betting on one 33 to one team to win the Super Bowl. Only done it once New York giants won the Super Bowl. So you're going to do it again. I'm going to do it again, and the New York Giants will win the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> I actually... <laughs> wow. I mean, I agree with you. I, I think there's actually probably value in that 33-1, to 1, mainly because, like you say, if they get past a single game, granted it's a tough game, they go single digit, for sure, well, 100%. I, yeah, I, I mean, you could say this this is the toughest team they'll play. You know what I mean? Like you're playing the Super Bowl favorites. If they get past them, theoretically, according to the experts, every team they play is going to be not as good as that team. So I I also think they're the only team, if you kind of do the math, like typically if you do just, if you think a team is going to win the Super Bowl, you're almost always better off just betting them on on them to win each game. Like that almost always works out better. Um, I think the only two teams where this, like the chiefs at 32 to one, that isn't the case. Cause if you imagine they're never going to be bigger than a 10 point underdog and they're, you know, just a little bit over three to one to win this game versus 33 to one to win the super bowl. So this is clearly a moment where if it's not one of those, Oh, if you think they're going to win the super bowl, just bet on them winning this week. Cause you know, the spread next week will be maximum, say four points, five points. But it's worth, you know, be put, look, you put 15 pounds on it, 33 to one. It's a little bit of fun to follow. Like the downside would be if it wins, you kick yourself that you only put 15 pounds on it. But fundamentally, you're probably throwing 15 pounds down the drain. But, you know, it might lead to a bit of excitement. Just like where the Browns are going. (laughs) Ooh, perfect. So you're going Chiefs and cover the 10. And, and actually, I'm going to make that my bet of the week. I'm going to do Browns to win the Super Bowl and Tiger Roll not to win the Grand National. <laughs> and, then watch, and then be like 33 to 1 in and then watch Tiger Roll storm home. Did you ever I, think for a second maybe I was just trying to reverse Duke a curse and I have about 10,000 pounds on Tiger Roll right now? Oh, if that's the case, Frank, then 
let me know when we're buying tickets to Cheltenham. I can't imagine the horrors that Tiger Roll is going to go through now that you've just said you've got 10 grand on it. Like there will be <laughs> mutilation, torture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It will like be running, it will be like racing in the Grand National and like sort of part of the saddle will kind of come off and get caught around something. And then like one leg will just be like pulled off as it goes over it's like a final destination scene yeah, it's just exactly. causing just like horrific. a backlog of people just crashing yeah. jockeys oh. flying off into the crowd like decapitating other people as they fly <laughs> away yeah not and oh. just to be clear to any listeners not that we are wishing any harm on any horses or any other animals or jockeys <laughs> yeah or people but. even tiny people <laughs> all right so um Right. We had the Battle of the Oldies. Now we've got the Battle of the, well, great, what what would you call them? Like great kind of up and coming rookie, well, youngies, 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 I guess. New generation. I mean, what's good about these two, right? I actually think this is my game of the week, to be honest, just because like you think about Jackson and Allen and you think about like how mobile they are, but what they offer in completely different ways. I think this is a really interesting game. Um, but yeah, you've got Bills at two and a half point favorites for this one. So um, who wants to go first? Should I should I take this one? I guess. Yeah, go for it. I I've I think Eddie touched on this last time, but the Colts look better than the Bills in that uh, last last time out in the wildcard games. And that kind of Bills defense reminded me of the Bills defense before their bye week, like the first half of the season, basically. You might be, you might be stealing some of my points here, Sam. Uh-oh. I think we're going down a similar Uh-oh. path. I, but you, you'll hear the problem with this as well. But what's, So you look at who they're playing. They're playing the Ravens, right? And the Bills have given up two 200-plus rushing yards this season. So they're clearly they clearly have that problem. Uh, their rush defense gives up four point six yards per carry. Uh, Lamar Jackson averages in the last six games, which are all wins, he averages ninety five yards a game rushing, which is pretty awesome. So you think you've now got a Bills defense that uh, conceded one hundred and sixty three rushing yards against the Colts, going up against a better rushing unit, and. That leads me to the Ravens, but the problem with the Bills, and you don't need much logic behind it, they've scored 25-plus in nine straight games, and interestingly enough, four of those nine games were against top 10 defenses. So they're going to score. They're going to score a lot of points. They're probably going to score over 25 for sure. So if it's a shootout, the Ravens lose this. If Allen gets the ball, scores quickly at the start, and it goes to and fro, the Ravens lose. I've then written as my tip to listen to your gut as you read this out. So I'm still ultimately not sure, but I feel like, I don't know. I genuinely don't know with this one. I feel like I talk more for the betterment of the Ravens, but this is a Josh Allen that can just turn up and put points on the board. They're going to score over 25 in this game. Is that enough for a two and a half spread? Probably. Is it enough for them to win? Ah, they need to shut them out. If they shut out the running game or if it comes to shoot out, the Bills win. So I'm going to go Bills and to cover 
I'm not a fan of it because I think that the Ravens have got a lot of metrics going their way in the right direction, but the Bills will be better than the Colts game. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Bills into cover. So, yeah. Uh, shit. This is tough. I mean, last week I said I wanted to see Lamar Jackson play well in a big game and win before I went for picking him to actually win. He played well. He didn't play the most spectacular game, but he made the big plays that needed to be made to win the game. I mean, he had two spectacular runs that sealed that game for them. But I think against the Bills, you're going to need a little more than two good runs. I think he's going to have to make a handful of good plays, and it can't all be running. Sam's right. They are terrible against the run, and I think obviously that's what the Ravens are going to go for. And I think the Bills know that, so I think they're going to come in really pushing, putting 10 in the box if they have to to stop the run and know that it'll force Lamar Jackson to have to throw. And if it becomes somewhat of a shootout between Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, I have to take Josh Allen. I think he's the better overall QB right now. Um, So with that, I think it's going to be close. And I mean, I can easily see the Ravens winning this, but I have to go, like Sam said, with my gut, and I'm going to go Bills to win, Bills to cover, and for Josh Allen to have a big, big game. So, as you know, the Bills were my preseason dark horse to win the Super Bowl. And I have ridden that dark horse all season long. But every once in a while, you got to know when it's time to get off that horse. You know, this is Tiger all post limb ripped off over a fence and it's time to hop off the horse. You two have both basically, you've both said you've trusted your gut. I think you've both gone against your gut. Because basically you were both telling yourselves that the Ravens are the team you think will win this. But you're sticking to the original principle that you had in your mind that the Bills are going to win. Hey, look, gut has to matter. And gut is telling me that the Bills have to be better than they were. And also, like, just a quick point on it. Sorry, Eddie, but what the Titans did is they completely stacked it to make sure that the Ravens couldn't run and it didn't work because they're a terrible defense. The bills are a little bit better. So if they do the same thing, I imagine they're going to get more joy out of stopping the run. Not much, but more. The bills might be a marginally better defense, but they're not a better run defense. They give up 4.6 yards per carry. The Titans gave up 4.5 yards per carry. The Titans gave up 1,933 rushing yards over the course of the season. The Bills gave up 1,914. The Titans allowed 18 rushing touchdowns. The Bills allowed 21 rushing touchdowns. So there are aspects of this Bills defense that is better than the Titans defense, but it's not at stopping the run. And the only thing you have to do with the Ravens is stop the run. And so the concern for me is, and again, I will have I will not be upset if this is the pick I get wrong because I, I want the Bills to win. I think they're a pretty fun team to watch. I like Josh Allen, so I don't mind it if this is the one where my gut's wrong. But how does it not upset you when this is like your team and you decide to go against your team? That should piss you off more than anything. You've been no. preaching all year how good the Bills are, and then you go against them, and then they 
they bend you over. Doesn't that piss you off more? Not or do as you long enjoy as they that? Then, <laughs> not as long as they then go on to win the Super Bowl because then I can forget that I picked against them in the playoffs one round and just say, I told you so on the preseason pick. So that's going to be fingers crossed that they win. They lose. Either, if they win this week, they got to win it all. Because if they win this week and then I pick them next week and they'll lose, then I know I'm never going to hear the end of it from you two. So that's that. Well, that's the bit I will say. But I just think this is a really bad matchup for them. Now, the Ravens scare me because like that first quarter, the Ravens did not look good. And again, even though they did come back from a 10-point deficit, you do not want to bet on this Ravens team and then find them down by seven-plus points. It's not a pretty place to be. But I just think they're going to be able to run all over the Bills and that their defense is good enough that they're going to get stops and they're going to get turnovers. And even then, for example, they uh, one of the best defenses in the league against quarterbacks outside the pocket, which is a good good defense to have against Josh Allen. So I just think this is just every, pretty much every matchup pointer here makes me think that this is just a great matchup for the Ravens, who I think will win this week and then lose next week, regardless of which team they play in the next round. Oh, but I'm okay. going to take the Ravens. Eddie, this could be an epic week for you. Oh, could this be. could be uh, yeah. come Monday. You don't want to come on the podcast because you know it's coming for you. <laughs> I'll just say if if I go zero for four, which is not against the spread, which is not inconceivable based on my picks, I will not make picks for the remainder of the playoffs. I will. Oh no 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 no! You have to no. Make you picks. still are. You're doing. I don't mean. Picks. I don't mean. I just mean I lose my right. That's not me saying. I will refuse. I mean, I think I. No, let's up the ante. If you go for four, you can't access any of your accounts, your gambling accounts for two weeks. <laughs> oh, oh, that's don't, fine. Don't. Yeah, that's okay. We'll need, to, we'll need to put suicide watch on again. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. I'll take that one. Really? So that's the thing here. If you go yeah, and four on the spread. Okay. But then... what do I get if I go four? No. Nothing. Well, then you put the that right bet to pick in, again. And if you go 4 0, <laughs> you've won a nice bet. <laughs> wow. What a win. Wow. Risk, risk. So, That's... so you two are now opposing. We're, we're th- three for three so far in, in opposition. Against the spread. Yeah. And you and I have agreed on one. So no matter what, this is. I am fundamentally looking. I'm either at first place or I'm dead, dead last. Frank and I are two out of three. The only thing we've disagreed on is the Browns covering. Yeah. So. All righty. I think this is one of the easier ones, but the last game is the Rams at the Packers. And the Packers, slightly surprising for me, are uh, just under a touchdown at six and a half point favorites. So. Uh, this whoa, whoa, six and a like half? The, yeah. This Not seven, felt- are we sure? Yeah. Six and a half, bet three six five. The official yeah. bookmaker of the Big Chill podcast, podcast is six and a half points. No free ads. Locked. Yeah, no free and, ads. And but this was locked half an hour before we started talking. It, and it's six and a half right now. And look, it, you are seeing Bills minus three in some places, and we took Bills minus two and a half, right? So it's worked maybe for you or against you in some ways too. And also, I like the fact that, with the exception that these two spreads are not actual. Uh, there's no way there's going to be a push. I almost feel like uh, playoff lines should never be whole numbers. But anyway, 
<laughs> yeah, because also you're more inclined to bet more money because of the less games. So you'd be so yeah. furious. A push would really bring down that kind of fourfold. Like the three-point line in the Saints-Bucks game is super annoying. That they couldn't make it three and a half or two and a half. And I know it's based on, you know, the market itself, but just not being able to make that. The fact that it is a very common score outcome. At least the Chiefs-Browns, not a ton of teams win by exactly 10 points. But a three-point game is, is, you know, very, very common. Would anyone object to us teasing it to two and a half? No, no, no. I don't want because then because then someone's when it ends up being a three point game, someone's going to complain. So uh, it'll be you. Oh wow! Uh, I'll go first in this one. Okay. This is the one game where I just feel really confident about the favorite. So I'm going to take the Packers. I'm going to take the Packers to cover the spread. You know, all this. The reason this is only six and a half points, right, is just because of the Rams defense. I don't think the Packers defense is all that much worse than the Rams defense. But I think the uh, Rams offense is a way, way worse than the Packers offense. And so to me, this is just a complete and utter mismatch. Um, now, obviously, Aaron Donald's expected to play. I'm assuming Jared Goff is playing. I don't know what they're... Wolford's out. Yeah, so again, I'm assuming it's Goff and not going to end up being Blake Bortles. Not that that changes my pick, but I'm assuming they're going ahead with Jared Goff. Um, but Green Bay's defense has only allowed twenty five has allowed twenty five points or less in its last six games, so um, I see no reason why suddenly this Rams team is going to score more than twenty five points against them. And I think even if the Rams defense is good, this Packers team will score more than twenty five against the Rams. So I feel very confident in the Ram in the Packers winning, and I'll take them to cover the spread. Yeah, look, I have, I would love to find a reason to pick against the Packers. I'm not the biggest Packers fan. I, I think their offense is good, but I do think the Rams will be able to slow them down. The issue is, is that I cannot trust the Rams. Even slowing down the Packers, they still need to put up 24 points to win. And I don't, I don't think Jared Goff can do that. I have no faith in Jared Goff. If you told me Wolford was starting, I would maybe think about taking them. That is, that is insane. Yep. I mean, legitimately, yeah. that is insane. Yep. Well, I think part of it, like I watched the game last game. He, Jared Goff looked like he could barely throw the ball. I mean, there was some out passes to the side of the sidelines that took three seconds to get there. I mean, he wasn't meant to play in that game. It, uh, playing with a surgically repaired thumb forced on him as well. So, it's probably so going to be difficult that had to impede his recovery slightly. I mean, it, you know, you go see a doctor, they don't tell you to like, Hey, rest for four weeks, but you know, just go in anyway at at two weeks and do whatever you want. It's not going to hurt anything like that probably hurt his recovery. And so I don't expect him to be that much more recovered than he was last week. And he was not very good last week uh, just from, you know, the naked eye test. So yeah, I don't. It's at Lambeau. It's going to be cold. We're going to hear all day about this Los Angeles I, team coming to the cold, snowy Lambeau. Are they so used to the sunny SoCal weather? You're going to hear it all day. There's going to be some terrible graphic of like Jared Goff dressed as a snowman animation thing. It, it's it's written in the cards that you're going to see that all day. But uh, yeah. I have to stick. I think I'm with Eddie. I think this is actually a pretty easy game. I think the Packers will win, and I think the Packers will cover. I'd love to see the Rams win, but I 
just can't conceive how their offense can keep up even Why as good you? as their defense is. Why would you love to see the Rams win? I'm just not a Packers fan. I, like, I'm not a big Aaron Rodgers fan. Oh, I've ridden I the like, Rams train as well. I agree with Frank. Yeah, I've, ridden and, the, I've ridden the and Rams I like training. when defense and I like when defenses like shut down a prolific offense. Like Packers scored the most points this year out of any team, and then boom, they hit a hot defense, and the defense just shuts them down. I so I, I I think that's fun to watch. Really? So if the Browns shut the Chiefs down, if the Browns win on Sunday nine seven. You'll be like, great game. Yeah, this but that won't I'm... happen. No, but theoretically, you're telling me I don't want any complaints out of you. If it is, if it is the kind of Browns game we have seen this year, where it's like 9-7, 15-12, like whatever weird combination of scores it is. If that game happens on Sunday night, I don't want to hear you from you like total letdown of a game. Oh, terrible. I wanted to see Mahomes v. Mayfield. I wanted to see fun. I wanted to see Tyreek Hill throwing the deuces as he goes by people. I wanted to see all that. No, no. You're going to be like great defensive matchup. Amazing game. game. Yeah, I mean, I do. I like. I would be super impressed if the Browns could hold the Chiefs under By 14 every, points. Frank, but, but also, everyone would not, be. Let's just be clear. This yeah. is not, <laughs> everyone not would Browns, be very... That's not the Browns' signature, right? This is the Rams' signature 100%. The Browns are an offensive-driven team. Like, um, if they did it defensively, it's not going to be. I like, think the Browns well, hold teams to low scores because yeah. their offense is methodically slow and like a fucking not of a no something oh, that's wow. slow I don't, I don't like a, you don't know i had one in my head slow. but i didn't want to say it <laughs> i'm frank glad duca, i stopped it frank duca has been canceled the thought police has come in and he is banned <laughs> that was a great that was a great example of self-control right there <laughs> I don't know if it is when you when it nearly comes out of your mouth and then you credit yourself with the self-control. The damage <laughs> is fundamentally done. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> just to um just to wrap up here, I, I agree with both of you. I, I think this one the easier one's cool. And the thing is, right, the Packers offense is much better than the Rams offense. Defensively, the Rams are better. But the Rams still need to be perfect to shut out Rodgers at the moment. Like, they're just not going to. Also, only five interceptions in the regular season. They're not going to get many opportunities to do it. One at most, maybe. But the Rams aren't going to be better offensively. Um, They were still pretty sloppy in that Seahawks game as well, offensively. I can't really see it. So um, I'll take Green Bay into cover. But um, I think that's probably the easiest one. I'll say this. The fact that we've all gone the same way on the first game guarantees that I'm not eliminated after game one. And also (laughs) basically the situation means that no matter what, I've got hope going into Sunday because if I can win the two Sunday games, I'm back in it no matter what happened on Saturday. So this has given me maximum possible interest in the outcome of these games, but hopefully I'm 4-0 and I'm top of the leaderboard after this weekend. So let's just do theoreticals here. So Eddie, your theoretical championship games are Ravens at Chiefs and Bucks would be at the Lambeau. Yeah. So what's happening there? Money line. Don't care for anticipated spreads or whatever, but what's happening? Um, the Chiefs are beating the Ravens comfortably. And I really want to say it's going to be Brady Mahomes in the Super Bowl, but I can't do it. I think it's going to be Packers Chiefs. I think that is the very likely 
boring to kind of have not gone chalk in this round, obviously, but to fundamentally go chalk on the playoffs itself and just taking the AFC and the NFC favorite in the Super Bowl. Um, but I think that's what we're looking at. And that's a fun Super Bowl, so I won't be disappointed. Like, there's a lot of interesting storylines there. As Rodgers is, Mahomes is the best of the newcoming quarterbacks, obviously, and Rodgers is the best of the remaining old guard, even though it's kind of unfair to throw him in with Brady. Like, they're not really in the same generation, but it will be interesting to see. Yeah. There's also, like, Goff is the anomaly here. Like, the Rams are the anomaly in a QB sense, right? Because you've got the old guards of the Bucks, Saints, Packers, and then you've got the new bloods of the uh, Mayfields, Jacksons, and uh, Allens. So it's quite interesting that. Uh, you've done that thing I hate. What? When you turn their names into plurals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like a family name. <laughs> the Jacksons. Meet the Mayfields. Yeah. yeah. Meet, the, meet the Mayfields. <laughs> interesting thing, right? Even though there's some underwhelming uh, matchups in some respects, actually, a lot of quarterbacks on the like with Super Bowl experience in this round. And even quite a few on the same team that they play in the Super Bowl in, because obviously you've got that with the Chiefs, the Packers, the Saints, the Rams. Yep. Uh, so even though it feels like a fairly newish uh, playoff situation, there's actually quite a lot of yeah relatively experienced quarterbacks and, there. And also the Rams being the anomaly again. What the NFC is kind of guaranteeing is that as long as the Packers beat the Rams, you're going to have one of the like famous old guard in the Super Bowl, Brady. Breeze or Rogers, right? As long as the Packers win, uh, or Mahomes. The, Super, the Super Bowl in general is almost certainly looking like a compelling matchup. I mean, the nightmare matchup fundamentally right now would be Rams, Browns, <laughs> probably Browns. But then I guess people at least would talk themselves. Even with the Browns, it's like they've got Mayfield. They have a few other like marquee names. No, and I think also, you can spin any of them because you can spin the Rams too. Like, in an age of prolific offense, can a defense still win a Super Bowl? You could try and spin that, but I think people would be like, this is not going to be fun. But, I mean, look, if they've made the Super Bowl, then they've done something pretty impressive in between now and, mm. and then. So, but I think that's the only team. I bet you if if the NFL is looking at this slate of teams, that's the one they're saying, can we just rule the Rams out? Because if we do can you have think, any, do you think the NFL people sit around at a table and that's what they discuss? Oh, I am sure there are people in their marketing department or uh, whatever, who are looking at the slate of games and thinking, what's our dream scenario, which I one. Mean, it doesn't sound too alien to American football, right? Isn't that what they do in college football? They just sit around and pick a team that's probably pick the teams that are going to be the most exciting. No, but I just think like obviously and then they pay be, the officials. You know, like I think every I think in the Champions League they'll sit around people working for UEFA will sit around at one moment and go, "Okay, what's our dream final? Like which one are we going to get the most viewers for? Which one are we going to make the most money off of?" There, you know, it's a it's a for-profit organization. There's no way that they're not Already they must have some plans in place. Like if the Browns make the Super Bowl, how are we promoting the Super Bowl? Like what are the storylines we're pushing? How are we make? they've got to be already starting all of that process because it's not like they're going to suddenly two weeks before go like, oh shit, we got to suddenly like put commercials out, put all these plans, like get articles written in different places. Like, yeah. Anyway, same question to you, Frank. So we've got the same team. So we've got uh, be Chiefs Bills which I think was billed quite early on as like one of the 
the great matchups people wanted to see in that kind of showdown. And then the Packers, Saints. So who's what's happening with those games for you? Oof. I would go Chiefs, Saints. That actually might have been what I picked for the Super Bowl in our preview. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't think we, it was. We really should listen to our own podcast, shouldn't we? It was definitely the Chiefs. <laughs> I picked the Chiefs to win, but I'm wondering yeah. if it was. I don't think you picked the Saints. I, think I can't I remember have. who you picked in the NFC, but I don't think you picked the Saints. It's either the Saints or the Niners. I think you picked the Niners, actually. Some I think we almost talked me into them. I think we almost all picked the Chiefs Niners as our likely Super Bowl. I think. I mean, that played out well. Yeah. I mean, worst injuries. team in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, clearly not the worst team in the NFL, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for me, same teams as Frank, really. But I'd love to see the Chiefs. In a way, I'd love to see the Chiefs not. I'd love to see the Bills play like the Packers or something. Oh, I would love to see a different combination of teams just because I also, as we've discussed in over the course of the season, the Chiefs, they had the tipping point from being like fun and lovable to being arrogant assholes. And so I'd like that bubble to be burst. I also think that if they're going to be salvageable in terms of me liking them, which I know is super important to the Chiefs and to the NFL, if they want still my vote of stamp of approval on that team, I think they need to lose this year so that the head shrink a little bit and they kind of get back to what they were good at. But if not, they are going down the full Golden State Warriors path. And if you get to a couple finals in a row, if you win a couple championships in a row, there's just no coming back. Hmm. But we'll see. There we go. Yeah. I will say the only other NFL news I did kind of want to touch on, not that it's breaking news because it actually happened on the day we recorded the last episode, but we didn't address it was the firing of Doug Peterson, which I don't think warrants too much attention just because the Eagles are not going to be relevant anytime soon. I do feel like the Eagles kind of did Peterson a little bit dirty though, because the instruction in that week 17 game was obviously from a higher level. Like it wasn't him deciding not to play to uh, pull Wentz uh, mid game. That, that was obviously a plan they'd gone into the game with. And I feel like he did that thinking his job was secure and almost kind of like the deal with the devil was you're going to, you're going to take some flack for this, but this is part of our team building process. We need the better pick. Like this is, this is for the good of the team, but it's also kind of good for the good of you in the process. And then it's like, okay, you took all that blame. Goodbye. <laughs> now we're, we're trying to shake, shake ourselves off that week 17 stink now. See, I think, so I don't think part of that, I, I don't think the decision to pull Wentz came from higher up. He was kind of on record saying before the game that he wanted to give whatever his name is. I don't, I don't even want to remember that guy's name. <laughs> That's how bad a performance that was. He, he clearly wanted to give him, he thought he deserved a chance to get out there and things like that. And I think that was all on him. I don't think it was brought down like, Hey, we kind of want you to lose this game. So make sure you throw in, that crappy guy that we still have on our team. Um, but I do think he thought he was safe with his job. And, and I, I, 
what's strange to me is I thought I remembered three or four weeks before that happening, that that was coming up like, oh, is Peterson on the hot seat? And the Eagles ownership was like, no, 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 he's definitely our coach. Like, you know, we're not getting rid of him anytime soon. So I think he definitely thought there was no chance he was getting fired. And that, and I, I mean, I don't think that had, I can't imagine it had anything to do with it because they already were out of the playoffs anyway. So what's the difference if they lose that game, right? Uh, well, the only reason it might've had something to do with it was that so many Eagles players felt they had been kind of betrayed. So yeah. the only way it might've had something to do with it is just internally lost, lost the player. Room. Yeah. If the players were like, no, this guy sold us out. Like we played this to win. We, we try yeah. and win every game, no matter what the scenario is. And he's shown us, he doesn't care about that. And there might've then been the decision afterwards. Like he is not going to be able to motivate them. That, yeah. That's the only way that that could have affected it. But I, I do agree with you. No matter what, it felt like his job was safe. So it must have come as a little bit of a surprise to him. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> He'll have to take that visor elsewhere. Um, there we are. So there's our picks. I'm, I'm excited for all those games, to be honest. They're all very watchable. They're all very interesting in their own kind of dynamics and reasons. They've all got some sub stories behind them as well, which is kind of good. Um, I think the first game is the least compelling. And so yeah. I think it's good that it's the first game because yeah. you're, you're, you're just excited to have the NFL playoffs starting. So you can, you're going to be happy to sit down and watch the Rams Packers, but fundamentally it's the, it might turn out to be a great game. I'm not saying it's definitely going to be terrible, but it's the one that you look at it on paper and you're like, well, I feel confident about which way it's going. And I have no real reason to be interested in the underdog story. Ooh, breaking news. Speaking of coaching changes, Urban Meyer has officially signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. That is interesting. interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know why a guy who had to quit multiple times because he almost gave himself a heart attack coaching is now going to go to an even greater spotlight to coach. Well, yes and no. I guess Jacksonville isn't a bigger spotlight. So it's well, I think the in. NFL is. And it, I think it, the risk here is it see, I think this is a big risk because it really hurts his reputation. Because right now you could argue Urban Meyer, although it was a short career, was one of the best college coaches ever. Everywhere he went, he won. And once he got to big enough schools, he won national championships. Um but now you put him in a scenario where he's probably not going to succeed. I mean, I would be surprised if he succeeds. And now say he has three seasons of three and 13 people say like, ah, was he really that great of a coach? It depends a little bit. Right. So if Trevor Lawrence turns out to be the real deal and he's not able to turn that team into something decent, then yeah, he doesn't look good. If Trevor Lawrence is a bust and he leaves after three years with just, well, I thought I was getting one of the, kind of generational quarterbacks and it turns out I got a generational bust, then I don't think it hurts his legacy, but it will be interesting to see if he can hang around just for the reason you touched on. Like obviously the stress of the game did get to him at Ohio state. Like when he had that kind of like breakdown on the sidelines, not that it's funny, but I mean, he did legitimately drop to his knees mid game at one point having like a panic attack slash heart attack. So if you're his family, you think you would have voted for him not putting himself back into that scenario. I will say, I think at least it's Jacksonville. The spotlight will be bright, but not as bright as it could have been elsewhere. And I think arguably it's brighter probably in Ohio State. I mean, 
Frank, can you remember who the last Jacksonville coach was? Doug Marone? Yeah. Yeah. We had to think about it. It didn't. No, I wasn't sure if you met like before, before. Okay. No, before, before that's an interesting one. So the, the, the Jacksonville Jacksonville have had six coaches in their history. How many of them can you name? Tom Coughlin. Okay. Coach number one, Doug Marone, coach number six. (laughs) Fill in the blanks. (laughs) I will say they are some reasonably famous names too. It's not like it's, Oh, that guy never reappeared. There's a couple legitimate, legitimately famous guys in there. Yeah. I'm drawing blanks. So you had after Tom Coughlin, who was their coach from 95 to 2002, from 2003 until 2011. So a pretty long stint to just. Yeah. Who was it? I, I can't remember who it was. It was Jack Del Rio. Oh, Del Rio. Yeah. Then, duh, that's so obvious. Then you had this one. I can forgive you for. for I can't forgive you for getting for getting Jack Del Rio. I'm going to hold that against you forever. But I can forgive you for forgetting Mel Tucker who was only a coach for five games. Oh, yeah. And I was going to say, I don't know who Mel Tucker even is. And then he is was he Justin followed. Tucker's father. Well, yeah, well, what, do you, what do you have to do wrong to get sacked in five games or leave in five games? You have like, to sign a head coaching job with the Jaguars. Yeah. Well, kind of like the realization, like about five weeks later, that something had gone horribly wrong. Well, I'm assuming, I don't remember it well enough, but he, I guess he was mid-season when they let go of Del Rio. So I guess he was always supposed to be the interim coach. I'm guessing he was already a coach at Jacksonville. I don't remember it that well, but I'm guessing he's currently the head coach of Michigan State. So he has gone on to a reasonably successful career since then. Uh, After him was Mike Malarkey, who was only a coach for 2012. And then from 2013 to 2016, he had Gus Bradley. So... They've got um, Meyer will have good picks though, right? Because the Jags have got two first round picks because they traded up with what was it, Jalen Ramsey? So they've got the Rams um, first pick as well as you know first pick themselves, and then I think they've got two in the second round as well from trade ups as well. So they've got pretty good picks for Meyer to play with at least. So. Was it Malarkey then the coach of the Titans? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Del Rio. I'm so pissed. I forgot Del Rio. He even he like he even, the face you kind of remember with the hair. I, the hair. I mean, he does have good picks, but there's not a lot to like about that Jags team. So the two picks will go a long way to helping them, and a really good draft could make them decent. But they are two or three seasons away from being competitive even if you have a very good head coach and even if you nail the draft and free agent signings and trades. So that's what interests me about it because if I were him, I would have wanted to come in for one of those teams who I think is right about to be relevant. So for him to have kind of joined a rebuilding, I say rebuilding because they're they're not building on anything, but a kind of rebuilding project around a number one pick it kind of it's a weird move to me. He 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 sh, he mentally has to be thinking he's making a five year commitment, minimum. So that's kind of surprising. Or an insane amount of money. Well, he is making an insane amount of money, but he already had, relatively speaking, an insane amount of money. So it's yeah. not like he needs it. 
He was probably doing consulting gigs for like $10,000 an hour. <laughs> and he was doing, he was still appearing on the Fox, Fox. football show, right? Yeah. He was, he's in TV commercials sometimes. So like he had things going for him. I mean, it's not like he had no income at the moment. And yeah, the after dinner speaker, I'm sure whatever fee he commands to go and speak at Columbus at some random event must be huge. Something I wanted to bring up. We gave Eddie a lot of heat in some earlier episodes for his land rollers. So for those who are new listeners or aren't familiar, Eddie would roam the streets of Paris in his land rollers inspired by you make the dog it sound whisperer. Like he's, you make it sound like he's some in a weird gang. Oh, I was. <laughs> I was. The land roller it was, gang. It was me and Cesar Chavez or whatever his name is. Is it Cesar Chavez? Is that it? No, it's wait, not. Wait, who? Cesar. It's, I know that's the first name. <laughs> I was just, I don't think it's... Uh, <laughs> it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Uh, uh, Milano, right? Wasn't the, wasn't Cesar the, Milano yeah. or something like that? Yeah. Milana? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Milano, I think. Mil- Milan. I can't even remember his name. Something. Mo- you were just Milana? so entranced by his, his <laughs> land rollers. <laughs> yeah. I know. So it, it brought up so um our friend chris messaged me this like uh like little cartoon or something like that that made me think of something that i had that very few other people had that i would be like slightly embarrassed because i don't think other people would appreciate it so my question to you two is do you ever have you ever known someone who's owned a waterbed I mean, I know that you've owned a waterbed, so this bit of it, and you are without doubt the only person I there know who's owned one. And I was hoping image... you were going to say no, because then the answer would be, well, you know one, because yeah. I used to own a waterbed for and three my, years. And my image of someone who owns, like if you say, hey, what's the person like who owns a waterbed? There's only one word that comes to mind, and that's pervert. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't understand them. I is is, it, is there a very it. real chance that someone just comes in and pops it and no. there's water everywhere? No. So that can't happen. Not with the new ones, no. Like the one yeah. I had, you would have to like it, it was compartmentalized. So you could theoretically oh, like the I guess yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look can't sink it. Up. You could not sink this waterbed. <laughs> But I don't, what does it do, right? What's a waterbed good for? Oh, I'll Is tell you what like it's good for. Or? Yeah, if if you're the only person sleeping on it, it is an amazing sleep. Like I loved sleeping on the waterbed. It was so comfortable to me. It was comfortable for two things. It was like the support it gave, I really liked, but also you kind of have a little bit of a wave motion. And I, for, for instance, I love sleeping on boats. When I was younger, in the summer, every weekend, my dad and I would just go to our boat and we would just like hang out at the boat, like on a Saturday night, watch TV, like hook up the TV, kind of just like hang out. And then I would sleep on the boat. Yeah. I love that. I used to sleep in the boat all the time. Like when we would go fishing, my dad hates to bring me fishing because my dad loves to fish. 
And I love to just go and then just go into the cabin, sleep in the boat all day. So like when I was younger, my dad would get so pissed off because he would want to go fishing and I'll be like, yeah, let's go. And I would sleep the whole trip. (laughs) See, Sam, when you do do the uh, like uh, do do. crime true crime podcast about frank murdering me this little snippet about him loving to sleep on boats and owning a waterbed is like a a big part of the pro like character profile to make him seem like a murderer it'll be the serial killers kind of like it'll be all the traits and like signature things he leaves behind it's it's like one step removed from like torturing animals It's like when Frank Duca was a young child, he liked to go on boats and sleep. Like the rest of his family would be fishing, but he would just be under under the deck sleeping. After down his, below. after he had murdered his victims, he used yeah. to lay down on a waterbed because the motions exactly. would help him sleep. Yeah. The demons wouldn't haunt him on a waterbed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that that triad when kids are younger that they say identifies them as like a potential serial killer. It's like torturing animals, setting fires, and bedwetting. And then there's a fourth, sleeping on boats. <laughs> wait, 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 bedwetting. Yeah, that's like, this is like, like this chronic, famous- Like chronic bedwetting. Oh, okay. Is that yeah, like, well-known? That seems, because that would be one of those where people are getting falsely accused of being future serial killers because they wet the bed. <laughs> no, it's like you have to be part of the triad, I think. You kind of have yeah. to at least do two of the like three. Two of them. Like yeah. tortures, tortures animals and wets the bed. Yeah. If it's just wets the bed. Well, Can you flip between them or would that keep them guessing? Or <laughs> What do you mean? Wet the bed no, while it's... you torture animals. No, you know, like, you know, one minute you wet the bed and then a little bit later on, you're like fancy torturing animals now. So I'm assuming it's not normal. I mean, I'm assuming it's not simultaneous, Sam. So no, it's not simultaneous. Because <laughs> then you're a real psycho. If I walk, if I urinate I, on the bed. If I have a, yeah, if, if I have a, I'm going to say this now. If I have a child and I ever walk in on them, just like openly pissing on their bed while they torture a small animal, I am just <laughs> locking that door and I'm never unlocking it. <laughs> while setting fire to their bed at the same time. Yeah, yeah they just burn stu- in there. Yeah, you can imagine Frank trying to set fire as a kid, like setting yeah. fire to a water bed. <laughs> oh, maybe that's why his parents did it. Oh, well, My parents didn't buy me the water bed. I was, I was gift- not gifted the water. Oh, I was in college. You were gifted the waterbed. No, it was like, so my aunt and uncle were upgrading from a waterbed to a normal bed. And I heard about this. I heard about this and I said, give me that waterbed. So we chucked it up to state college. And I was the, like the two years of my master's. So I had it for like a little over two years. Now here's the interesting thing. When you then transport it, do you empty it of water? Yeah, yeah, yes. You have to empty it, yes, and then fill it. And you just fill it with normal water. Uh, You have to put some sort of chemicals in there, obviously, so it doesn't, like, get bacteria and smell. (laughs) Well, like, I don't know how often you you change the water. Never. Uh, I mean, I assume you do, like, after, like, several years, but I don't think I ever changed it. So if we gave you the option of having a waterbed right now, would you take it? If I'm sleeping alone, Yes. Did you do that thing where you like jump on one side and the other person goes absolutely <laughs> flying? Off it doesn't, side. the new ones don't do it as much because they're car, uh, compartmentalized. So it's like the, the claim again. was, it, it was like you couldn't sink it, right? 
unsinkable. <laughs> so if you put that water bed someone on has the to. sea, it maybe would someone out maybe someone out there has done it, but someone, some like mattress salesman has to do a waterbed commercial where they like do a fake Titanic scene where they're talking about how unsinkable the mattress is. Like someone has to do that. Probably been done because I doubt that we're the first. Probably not because no one buys water mattresses. <laughs> well, you. As we I mean, said, not- I was the only one, either of you know, that owns a waterbed. <laughs> well, here's the thing is too. I don't really talk to people about their mattresses all that often. So now admittedly, I do think you're a waterbed guy. Like if you have a waterbed, it's like, it's like being vegan, you know, like you tell someone you're vegan. If you have a waterbed, you're telling someone like, I'm sure you regularly were like, Oh, no, a, not really. <laughs> five favorite movies. And then, Hey, I have a waterbed. <laughs> yeah. Like when people come over to his house, he's like, Oh, just sit on the bed, sit on the bed. And they're like, why just sit on it. Just sit on it. Oh, it's water. It is <laughs> fun. The first time someone sits on it, they always give like the, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah if if you sleep by Perfect. yourself if you sleep by yourself it is amazing if you're if there's someone else on the bed it's brutal because as soon as they move like you then move and then it's 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 a mess how big did the young child have to be before it became an issue <laughs> Nice. As a serial killer, he would actually put his victims inside the waterbed. So they're preserved. That was his first question. That was like I would his liquefy MO. them. <laughs> that was why Frank <laughs> Frank actually had to start Frank actually had to start um start working out a lot because his serial killer nickname was the weightlifter. And it it was just because when he would pull over to find the little kids, the first question would be like, Hey kid, how much do you weigh? And they'd be like 98 pounds, ah, too heavy. This is going to be uncomfortable. The weight listener. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> 98 pound you... kid. That's a hefty kid. Yeah. I'm water, <laughs> water boy. <laughs> I don't, I don't see it. I would just have the perpetual fear that it would somehow middle of the night just pop. <laughs> it would just be water everywhere. I would just be perpetually in fear of the fact that anyone else would find out I had a water bed. Like that would be, be that would be that would be the biggest fear. Yeah, I miss that thing. I love that waterbed. Can you imagine someone who is massive, like really big, like fat, just jumps on the bed and water just flies out? <laughs> Sam is obsessed with the bursting <laughs> idea. Like this yeah. is very interesting. Yeah. Right? yeah, isn't that meant to be like some sort of fetish for people as well? Probably. What yeah. waterbed bursting? That would be yeah. one of the most. <laughs> that would be like, a niche. There would be a niche rest. community. First off, you need I to would... find someone who has a waterbed. So right now it's me, and I can tell you. One of my fetishes is not bursting water beds. Now, here's the thing, Frank. Wait, though, doesn't that mean you... everything except that is a fetish? But, but Frank, couldn't you get, uh, couldn't you go halvesy with your bed? Couldn't you have half water bed, half normal mattress? Wow, that's a great idea. So then you get the best of both best worlds. Of both worlds. <laughs> or, or even two half water bed mattresses. That way, both people would have the water bed experience, but you're not affecting the other. Yeah, I think that's what they were trying to do. By like kind of redesigning it, but it still didn't work very well. But you you go full the full I go way. all in. Yeah. I mean, but I do like I I like my mattress now. But it's not but a waterbed mattress. No, it's not. It's just a stupid Casper. Yeah. It's got no water, zero water. <laughs> yeah. 
not even a little bit. <laughs> it's actually yeah, it's as far as away because they they screw that thing up and send to ship it to you. It's it's as far as you could get from a waterbed. Yeah, dry as a bone, vacuum sealed. Yeah. Yeah, so that was the only downfall of the waterbed was the um, the frame that it was in. So because it was water, right, you had to put it in a frame. So the bed frame basically went flush. Up to the edge. Oh, yes. And no. there was numerous times you come home drunk and kind of just stumble into the bed and destroy your shin on a yeah. wooden bed frame side. That was the only downside about that. Pretty big downside. Is that you would you would hit it a lot. But it was a, I think it was a king size bed. So, it was at least a queen, but I think it was a king. So, for one person, it, it you would never really roll into the edge of the bed. It would just be like when you were getting into it, there was a slight risk sometimes. Now, here's the thing, you know, cuz obviously Casper a pretty big popular uh, sponsor of podcasts we'll make it when we've got a waterbed manufacturer, oh. manufacturer sponsoring our podcast i would love even, if they could send me a waterbed i'd be all in might even do some feelers see if we can we can get a sponsor for that that is a good one zero benefit to their business because obviously this is a officially a non-pervert podcast that's like <laughs> one of our things but who knows it's probably like one of those things, you know, when, when people have outstanding warrants and they like do that, like free boat giveaway to, to get the guys to come into the police station so they can arrest them. Yeah. Probably, probably do that with like perverts where they're like, Hey, free water, free water bed. Just send us your location and we'll ship it to you. Next thing you know, just the police at your door. Yeah. I would fall for that one for sure. <laughs> So yeah, so that's my in, embarrassing thing that I enjoy and have that other people routinely make fun of me for. So Sam, we're, we're waiting on yours down the road here. I just want to say that my Land Rollers look decidedly normal. when compared. Yeah, I agree to differ. <laughs> Those things are the goofiest looking things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, but you can rollerblade <laughs> on sand. That's and that's not a trait of a serial killer wanting to rollerblade <laughs> on sand. <laughs> I didn't really have anything. I was quite a cool kid. <laughs> so <laughs> there was one thing I had though. I don't know if I love them, but I remember having them young enough to think that they were somehow like a trend of the time. Similar to Eddie's actually. Do you remember those shoes that used to have the wheel? Oh no! Oh, that is the worst. You are definitely the worst. (laughs) You You were really. I did not even ask for them. They were just one of those like Christmas presents where parents or whomever bought it for me. I can't even remember. I don't. Did you use them? Because you don't have to use the wheels. I think there was. Yeah, I definitely wore them, and I definitely used them. Okay. And it was one of those awkward ones where you then (laughs) you then essentially roll a blade for about two meters before it becomes completely pointless and then you walk again you know why yours is the worst in some ways because like land rollers land rollers were never cool i didn't get them to be cool i didn't get them for how they looked if anything it was like going totally against the grain waterbed not cool frank (laughs) didn't get it to try and make himself look better 
No, he was just em- he was just embracing the inner pervert. You <laughs> you actually yours were a fad, so you yeah you were like part of the the dorky fad at the time. Those guys, yeah, you were one of those kids. I just remember but the good news was, if someone like Frank had been near you, you would have been a little bit harder to catch. <laughs> I could have fifty. I can't risk away. having. I can't risk having shoes with wheels on the oh. bed. It might burst. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they were invented. You didn't tell the kids that, but they were actually just just to make them make you safe from waterbed owners. <laughs> well, I guess that took us once again off the topic of sports. I guess. Uh, I did mention earlier the fact that we'd kind of talk a little bit about Andy Murray. Obviously, not worth digging into the Australian Open yet, but obviously disappointing for him after his long comeback from injury. Not quite on an Alex Smith scale, but not far off in that he was being written off as having no chance of ever playing tennis again. Uh, He's obviously tested positive for COVID, so he can't fly to Australia. So it looks unlikely that he's going to be able to participate in the Australian Open. So he is one of the latest COVID casualties, obviously not in the most, (laughs) the worst way of that word, but in from a sporting perspective. Similarly, obviously the Premier League is having a number of positive COVID tests at the moment. And so one match has been postponed already on Sunday. And uh, I saw the, uh, some players are, some more positive tests are coming in, including, uh, Ings, the Southampton strikers tested positive. Oh, really? Yeah, Danny Ings has tested positive. So, possibility of a lot of the postponed or delayed matches over the next few weeks in the Premier League. Yeah, the um, the Premier League's having kind of emergency meetings about it because one of the look people like the fact that league sport is continuing during lockdown. It's good to watch, and it was it was one of the things that made the lockdowns in Easter last year harder because there was literally nothing on, like there was nothing to watch or anything. But um, one of the problems footballers have been kind of called on is, or called out on, is that they're still celebrating. They're still hugging. They're still kind of like high-fiving, handshaking, uh, all those things. And a lot of people are saying it's kind of against, A, it's against protocol, because even though they've had negative tests, they shouldn't be doing that anyway. But um, it's... I think the problem is it's giving people fuel to go against them. And that's a problem because then like the Premier League or the government, et cetera, could potentially look at that and be like, they're not following the rules. Public opinion might be against them in that way. So they're almost forced to make some sort of knee-jerk decision to postpone or delay the league or consider like a, a, a kind of fire break or something like that. But Hopefully they just sort that out and they stop celebrating and getting close to each other essentially. But um, I don't, I really hope they don't stop elite sport. I don't know how I feel about that one. Cause it's always been a little bit far school to me when I've been watching like a player goes like even in the NFL, right? A player guy, Patrick Mahomes goes and sits in the sideline and puts a mask on. And it's like, well, he's just been yeah. tackled by people, been in close content with them, sweating on them, spitting on them, potentially bleeding on them, whatever. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, what Holmes a game. Spitting on other players. Let's get that out here. <laughs> what a game. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, that's that's happening. And then it's like, well, no, now you don't sit on the bench. You better go put a mask on. And I know in, in some respects, it will be out of consideration for non-playing staff who obviously aren't 
you know, you don't want to put them at risk, even if they are being tested, perhaps even almost as often as the players themselves. But like in some sports, like it always makes me laugh a little bit in cricket. Like you're not allowed to put your, you're not allowed to spit on the ball anymore, but then like equally you are still interacting and touching the players. You know, it's these like weird lines we've drawn as to what becomes safe or what is overexposure. Um, the NBA is getting a little bit of a backlash because a lot of the protocols there they've put in place, the players are kind of ignoring and that they're hugging after games and things. But it's a weird one. Like if you've just been playing against each other and you've been touching each other and pushing each other and you know, all that. And then it's like, Oh yeah, but now you can't shake each other's hands. It's a little bit odd. If I were a player, I might feel like it was a bit stupid. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's also in society too, I guess. Right. I mean, you have to put rules out there. I don't know. It's, it's strange. Like you put blanket rules out because you can't assume that people are going to understand the intricacies of the science. And then people then get really frustrated and like go after science. Like we're doing things without like science backing. It's like, well, no, it's, you kind of are, but we kind of aren't because you wouldn't understand the science. So we can't get into it. Like it, it's tough. And I agree. I, I've, I mean, I'm, in that field like that's part of my research and i can tell you some of the stuff that they do do on the field is a lot more detrimental than like mahomes yeah, putting on a mask at, thank you mahomes putting on a mask at, like on the sidelines when he's by himself you know like well, i don't get that so it's it, it, it it's got to be frustrating yeah i think a part of it though is it's just a public side of things as yeah. well like do do what the masses should be doing because if you start feeling like that exceptionalism's coming in, like, oh, they're elite, they don't follow the rules, that's the kind of rhetoric that can very easily permeate society, is where it's like, oh, one rule for the rich, one rule for, like, poor working class people kind of thing. Right. <laughs> now, I will say the one thing that this is exposed, because the Arsenal women's team uh, has gotten into trouble because a few of them went to Dubai, and that's caused a postponement in their game against Aston Villa. And you have to give credit, and I do not mean this in a sexist, misogynistic way, uh, but, <laughs> but, but at least it has given the Women's Super League headline news, which is very unusual. Yeah, and actually the Arsenal men's game today got postponed, so that's pretty crazy. Uh, what? Is no, that a joke? Oh, was it not- po- Oh, it wasn't postponed? It was just that boring of a match. <laughs> I was oh. wondering where it was going. <laughs> ah, <laughs> pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, I've seen I've seen jokes like that as well. Like in the FA Cup last weekend, it's like the Leeds team have been fined for making a pointless trip to Crawley. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. But yeah, Arsenal was a painful to read. Anyway, I didn't watch it, but it was a painful to read. No, no, tonight. Uh, it's not a loss. Yeah, still unbeaten in a while. And the other big sporting news from today was that uh, Olympic 100-meter champion, hurdles champion, uh, uh, Brianna McNeil has been provisionally suspended from athletics for breaching anti-doping rules. So, again, surprising to see it's not a Russian getting in trouble for breaking anti-doping rules, so that's something novel. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Good to know we've all got strong opinions on the uh, reigning 100-meter hurdles champion. <laughs> I, 
I legitimately wouldn't have been able to guess anything that you mentioned about the kind of athletics and runners and things like that. I just assume they all cheat fundamentally. That's always been a topic of conversation, right? Just let them all cheat or have two echelons of the Olympics, have like the roided up Olympics and have the normal non-drug Olympics. I mean, I'm against that only, I don't care about professional athletes cheating fundamentally. It's just the uh, message you send to younger athletes and the fact that you'll then get people taking unsafe things at a young age, either unsafe in that you don't know what it does to a developing body and also unsafe in that obviously some random kid buying stuff on the internet, who knows what you're buying. And so to me, that's the issue is if you say like, hey, look, it's fine to be an Olympian and take steroids. It's not the, it's, it's like, it's when in the Tour de France, I don't worry about Lance Armstrong's health when his body is being monitored 24 seven by his medical team. I'm sure he'll be okay, but I am worried about an up and coming cyclist who thinks the only way I'm going to ever make it on the tour is to pump myself full of steroids. I'm going to just start doing that at home, injecting needles into my own ass. And then turns out you kill yourself. Yeah. And also the, the issue with doping rules, right? Is they're always like a few years or so behind the curve of what people are having. So usually the event will happen like London 2012. And then four years later, five years later, someone is stripped of the medal because of something they were found for five years ago that wasn't picked up because it wasn't looked for. Then they went back and reviewed things under the new circumstances or new strains or genes or new um, types of things they're looking for. It just it just feels like they're going to do it and then get caught later on. You know, take all the take all the credit, take all the commercials, take all the glory, and then get banned. It's like, well, I got all my money, so doesn't really matter. She tested positive for water pills. That's oh, wow! A great one. And it, she, it was supposedly she said it was to treat hypertension. So a woman, I, I mean, I'm not saying this is impossible, but a woman who probably has about five percent body fat on her is probably at the lowest risk percentage for hypertension. <laughs> I would well, be shocked. The, well, she's at the lowest risk percentage because she took those pills. Yeah, probably. Or she was masking some other agent, which is what it's no, also used for. <laughs> never. I always love every time where it's like, oh, no, no, I was being used to, to just like treat it, treat some condition I have. But like, I now know I, I've learned a lesson. I, they always say that. It's like the same generic response where it's like you're, I mean, especially her, she's the defending champion, I'm pretty sure, right? So it's like you're a- yeah, she's the Olympic champion from yeah. Rio. You're an athlete who knows what it's like to be an athlete and you know that everything you put in your body, you need to make sure it is what it is and that it's not on the doping list. And it's not that well, difficult. Like, <laughs> what's, what's worse, her taking pills for hypertension or Manny Ramirez taking a female fertility drug when he was a thirty-six year <laughs> when he was a thirty-six year old male. Which or one? what's his face, the the runner taking the extendinite uh, sexual enhancement pills that tested positive. <laughs> yeah, at least well, you might be able to justify that. I mean, I think that one is more ballsy, literally, but also figuratively in the sense that, like you have to be willing to kind of throw yourself under the bus a little bit <laughs> and maybe that makes it more believable. <laughs> yeah. And it could kind of lead to the, to like that Larry David moment from like curb your enthusiasm, you know, when he's like staring them down and that music, comes Which, oh, yeah, yeah. okay. And, 
Okay. You know, and like that's the, the kind eyes. Of, exactly. That's that kind of steroid moment where like you've tested positive for the drug and and then he has to do the like, yeah, I need it for my sexual performance. And then they kind of <laughs> do the equal like staring down of each other and it's like he doesn't break. So like, okay, he, he's good to go. What a great show that is. It's fantastic. All right. Well, Eddie, with that, why don't you sign us off with some Curb Your Enthusiasm music? I'm sure we won't get copywritten rules. <laughs> I'd almost be flattered because if, you know, a couple hours into the episode, we get a copyright uh, pull from, from attention like, from HBO. <laughs> directly, <laughs> we have you. <laughs> it's directly from Larry David. He's an avid oh, listener. I can see that. He's he actually a big like, sports guy. He is a big sports guy. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever seen him putt? Yes. The putting stance. He like, he like, gets um sam, anyone listening if you've never seen larry david putt sam if you haven't do it just go and google larry david putting you think it's a joke with the the stance that he takes but it's it's <laughs> real all right boys well i'll talk to you guys later see ya Cheerio.